You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, TVC. What's up, guys? If you don't know me, my name is Mitch, uh, and I'm a church planter here at TVC. Um, And I feel that it's important for me uh, at the beginning of my time here to offer you a much overdue apology, all right? I know that 18 months ago, as the word started to get around the village sphere that there was going to be an African church planter uh, joining staff, that there was much anticipation and excitement that grew uh, in this group of people. I know that, that as the months turned into weeks and the weeks turned into days, the anticipation and the excitement grew. So I can only imagine just the gut-wrenching disappointment uh, when, when you found out that your first African church planter uh, was a pasty white guy named Mitch. Uh, and so I, I'm so sorry, and I thank you in advance for your forgiveness and your grace to me. Um, so now that we're reconciled, uh, I think I just want to use a moment here before we get into the Word just to express to you uh, the deepest and most heartfelt thanks uh, from the Thompson family. Um, We could not quite put into words just our gratitude um, to express the the joy and and the love that we've experienced in our time here at the Village Church. The truth is that so many of you in this room have been spiritual grandparents to us. So many of you in this room have been spiritual parents to us, spiritual moms and dads. So many of you have been spiritual brothers and sisters to us. All of you have been friends to us, but most importantly... Every single one of you has at some point or another reflected Jesus to us. And I want to say that, that, that I can confidently assert this morning that I love Jesus more because of my time at the village. I want to confidently assert that I know Jesus better because of my time at the village. I've experienced the character of Jesus in more tangible ways through each and every one of you. And I'm so thankful for that. And I want you to know that everything that the Lord chooses to do through Amber and I and Garden City Church in South Africa, that you have had a hand to play in that. It's not just us and our core team back in South Africa that are planting Garden City Church, but it's each and every one of you as well. That every person who comes to know Jesus through what God is going to do through us, That every person who is rescued from the darkness and into his marvelous light, every person who is saved from from addiction into connection, every person who has their lives turned around by the power and grace of Jesus, I want you to know that you had a part to play in that. And so thank you. I also want you to know that if it crashes and burns, you share in that as well. Um, And so I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Um, And what a joy it is this morning uh, to be continuing in our Advent series as we look at the Advent of love. And so if you want to turn with me to John chapter 17, 
Um, and as you do that, I just want to reflect on what a wonderful joy and privilege it is that we get to remember this morning that love broke into a loveless world in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That what we get to remember this morning is that we get to gaze into the glorious truth that the king of the universe, the firstborn of all creation, the one through whom all that was made was made, the one in whom all creation holds together, the one whom all creation was created for, the very image of the invisible God, the one in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, the one who is preeminent amongst all things. Today, we get to remember that this king, this God who was reigning on his throne, left it behind to take on flesh, and he brought with him love into a loveless world. And we get to gaze into that glory this morning. And as we jump into John chapter 17, I'm reminded of a story. Um, Not many of you would know this, but before I became a pastor, I was a therapist. Um, And one of the first clients that I got to work with was this this really sweet couple. You're going to love this. So they were in their 80s, and for their 60th wedding anniversary, you know what their gift was to one another? Therapy. What they wanted to do is they wanted to come to therapy for their 60th anniversary so that, guys, this is adorable, so that they could more fully enjoy their last years together. That's what I was hoping for. (laughs) Isn't that adorable? And so we had one really wonderful session together, and unfortunately, after my first session with them, the sweet husband passed away. I don't think there's any correlation between the two. But what I got to then do after that moment is I got to share in one of the greatest privileges of my life. I got to walk with this sweet woman as she celebrated the life of her husband, as she celebrated the life that they shared together, and as she mourned his loss and stepped into this new season of what it meant to live life without him. And one day she came in and she was so excited uh, because she found his prayer journal. And she was so excited to read to me what was the last prayer that he wrote down in this journal. And I got permission from her to share this with you guys this morning. This is going to melt your hearts. This was the last prayer that her husband wrote down in his journal. He wrote this. He said, Dear Lord, would you please bring my dear wife home soon and safely because the couch feels much bigger and much emptier without her sitting next to me. Also, she left over an hour ago to pick up food, and I'm starving. (laughs) And so what we get to see in this prayer that this sweet man wrote down in his prayer journal is that the things that we pray for are the things that we love the most, right? The things that overflow from our hearts out of our mouths in prayer towards God are the things that we love most. And so what we get to see from this sweet man is that his wife was precious to him and that a man's got to eat, right? (laughs) And what I love about John chapter 17 is that we get to see what Jesus loves the most based on what he chooses to pray for. We get to see what Jesus loves the most based on what he chooses to pray for, and not just any ordinary prayer. What we know from John chapter 17 is that this is the final corporate prayer that Jesus prays before he is arrested and taken onto the journey to being crucified for our sins. This is the final corporate prayer that Jesus prays on the night that he knew he would be betrayed, 
The night he would go through an unjust trial leading to him being beaten and mocked and scorned and put up on a cross for the sins of the world. And we get to see what pours out of Jesus' heart in this moment. And so if you are already there, John chapter 17, we're going to be reading from verses 24. These are the words of Jesus. It says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. If you're a note taker, the one thing that I want all of us to walk away from this morning from this passage is this, that we have been drawn in with glorious love and we have been sent out to love gloriously. We have been drawn in with glorious love and sent out to love gloriously. And so let's, let's look a little bit at what it means to be drawn in with glorious love. Jesus starts this prayer off by saying, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. We've gone through 23 beautiful verses of this final corporate prayer that Jesus is praying before he's going to be arrested and led to his crucifixion. And he caps off this beautiful and glorious prayer by praying that those who are far off from him would be brought near to him. Jesus is praying that those who have been separated from him might be reconciled to him, that those whom you have given me might be with me where I am. And you might be wondering, well, who are these people that Jesus is talking about? Well, if we go back just a little bit to to verse 20, Jesus prays this. He says, I do not ask for these only. So these only refers to the disciples who were right in front of him, who were in his physical vicinity, who were standing with him as he was praying this. He's saying, God, I'm not only praying for these. I do not only ask for these, but also for those who will Believe in me through their word. Jesus knows that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that upon his ascension, that those who are filled with the Spirit will proclaim the good news of Jesus in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and that for all of human history, there are those that are far from Jesus, who the Father has set aside for him, who will be reconciled into relationship with him. And so when Jesus prayed this prayer on the night that he knew he would be crucified on the night that he knew would be the most painful and most difficult night of his life Jesus was praying for you if you are in Christ this morning if you are if you've put your hope and your faith in him 2,000 years ago before he was crucified he prayed this prayer for you and for me in this moment Jesus looked past his own suffering He looked past his own well-being. He looked past himself to pray for people who were in different nations to him. He was praying for people who were in nations that hadn't even been discovered yet. You know, places like America and South Africa. He was praying for nations in South America. He was praying for nations in Australia. He was praying for the Middle East. He was praying for all that the Lord had, had, had all that the Father had set aside for him. 
what was overflowing from the heart of Jesus on the night that he knew he would be betrayed was that we would be with him. In this moment, Jesus is mourning and grieving the separation between him and his people. Jesus is acknowledging that as sin has entered into the world, it has created a chasm between God and man. That the sin that came into the world separated us from our Father, separated the bride from Christ. And he was mourning that separation. So much so that the prayer that he chooses to pray is, Father, I pray that those whom you have set aside for me would be with me where I am. This is an astounding love. This is not the prayer that I would be praying on the night that I knew that I was going to be crucified. And Jesus, in his love for us, is praying that we, that you, that me, would be with him. He's interceding on our behalf. This word intercession is a word that gets thrown around in Christian circles quite often. I'm not always sure that we remember exactly what it means. I didn't know up until last week. Um, And so I'm glad to share that with you. What it means to intercede is to plead before the powerful on behalf of the powerless. To intercede means to plead before the powerful on behalf of the powerless. And so Jesus is coming to God in prayer, acknowledging and recognizing that there is a separation between him and his people, that there is a separation between God and man, and he is acknowledging that there is nothing that man can do to bridge this gap. He is acknowledging that there is nothing that we can do to enter into the presence of God. There is nothing that we can do to make it so that we would be with him where he is. And so he comes to the only one who can intervene. He comes to the only one who can do anything about it. He is acknowledging in this moment that there is no amount of religious activity that we can engage in that would bring us into the presence of the Father. There is no amount of serving on a Sunday morning, no amount of prayers before a football game. There is no thing that we can do to enter into the presence of the Father because aside from Him, we are dead in our trespasses. The only one who could bridge that gap, the only one who could intervene and bring us into the presence of the Father is Jesus himself, and he's coming before the Father and saying, I desire that those who are far off from me might be brought near to me. Father, would you do something about it? And Jesus is praying this prayer knowing that he would have to be the answer to it. Jesus is praying this prayer knowing that in order for this prayer to be answered, he would have to give his life. Jesus does not just desire that we be near him and then do nothing about it. Jesus desires that we would be with him and he goes and gives his very life that it might be possible. We are loved in Christ. We are cherished in Christ. We are precious to God. But as we continue to read, something interesting jumps out at us. Father, I desire that those whom you have given me might be with me where I am. Do you see that? To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Church, if we are in Christ, we are loved. 
We are loved. If we are in Christ, we are precious. If we are in Christ, we are adopted children of the Most High Father. If we are in Christ, we are his bride, the apple of his eye. If we are in Christ, we are the very dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. But God loves us too much to make an idol out of how loved we are. Jesus did not leave his throne and come to earth to save us with his own blood that we might just bask and revel in how loved we are. Jesus came and died that we might see his glory. He came and died on our behalf that we might be given eyes to see how glorious God is when we surrender to Jesus and when we put our hope in him and receive salvation from him, we are given a front row seat to simply bask in the glory of God, the one who created all things, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the one who cradles all of the universe in the palm of his hands, who holds all things together, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who who is clothed in splendor and majesty, who covers himself with light as a garment, who rides on the wings of the winds, who commands the lightning where to strike, who gives the oceans permission to swell and recede, who makes springs gush forth into valleys, who hung all the stars and can number them all, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, the great I am. When we come to know Jesus, when he rescues us, it's not just so that we can be loved, it's so that we can see his glory. Being loved by God is not the end of the gospel, it's the means of the gospel. And the means of God's love is that we might have access to see his glory. And so we see his glory in being able to see him for who he is. But there is another way that we get to see the glory of Jesus. Not only is he transcendent, but he's also imminent. We get to see the glory of Jesus in the everyday stuff of our lives. Let me give you an example from my own life to help us understand this. My wife and I have been on a journey to try and become parents over the last couple of years. And what we've seen in this process is that we see the glory of God on the mountaintops as he rejoices with us, and we see the glory of God in the valleys as he is near to us. We saw the glory of God when we found out that we were first pregnant. We saw the glory of God as he rejoiced with us, as our families rejoiced with us, as the people in our community rejoiced with us. We saw the glory of God as we came to understand what it means to be loved by a father as I got to be a father. We saw the glory of God in the joy and anticipation that we felt in the 11 weeks that we were pregnant. We saw the glory of God as he wept with us when we lost that baby. We saw the glory of God as he was near to us We saw the glory of God as he used his body to support us, to show kindness to us, to love us in that low moment. We saw the glory of God when we were told following that miscarriage that we would never be able to fall pregnant again. We experienced the glory of God as he gave us hope even in the midst of that hopelessness. We saw the glory of God as we saw that the gospel gave us a joy that transcended our circumstances. We saw the glory of God as we experienced that his nearness to us was all we needed. We saw the glory of God when despite despite what the doctors had told us, we fell pregnant. 
We saw the glory of God as he declared that he's the one who decides when life is given. We saw the glory of God as a community rejoiced with us as we celebrated this miracle. And I experienced the glory of God when two weeks ago I wept in the hospital bathroom believing that it was all going to happen again. I experienced the glory of God as he sat with me in that bathroom as I cried my eyes out, ensuring me that he was close to me, that he was near to me, that he loves me. My wife experienced the glory of God as she went in for a terrifying emergency surgery that she had to be awake for. As scripture upon scripture upon scripture was brought to her mind of how loved she is, of how safe she is in his will, and how good and kind he is. We saw the glory of God in all of the mountaintops where he rejoiced with us, and we experienced the glory of God in the valleys as he was near to us. And I just want to say this, that if you are struggling with infertility this morning, I don't want you to walk away thinking that the hope is that God might give you a a pregnancy because I can't guarantee you that. But what I can guarantee you is that the glory of God is evident through it all. The truth is, church, we're not always going to feel loved by God. The truth is, church, that there are going to be moments where we doubt that God even loves us. If we're honest with ourselves, there are going to be moments where that verse where it says that God is love brings us more frustration than it does comfort. But what I can assure you is this, God is always glorious. When we feel loved, when we don't feel loved, God is always glorious, and in the love of Christ for us, we get to see that glory even when we don't believe we're loved. So that is why our hope is not just in the fact that God loves us, our hope is in the fact that God's love for us gives us access to his glory. And that is where our hope is, that we see the glory of God, which is activated by the love of Christ for us. So we see that Jesus draws us in with glorious love. We are drawn in with glorious love. You and I, who were once far off from him, who were once separated from him, who were once on the other side of of the, the chasm of death, have been drawn in with glorious love. But what does this word glory mean in the context of John 17? Well, if we go right back to the beginning, Jesus prays this astonishing prayer. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. We see the glory of of God in that his, his love gives us access to see him for who he is. We see the glory of God in that when we're in Christ, we see him in the everyday stuff of our lives. But most clearly and most patently and most on display, we see the glory of Jesus on the cross. (coughs) Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. You see, when we ask for glory, we're asking to be put on a throne. When we ask for glory, we're asking for wealth and prominence. When we ask for glory, we're asking for, for, for power. When we ask for glory, we are asking to be made much of. When we want glory for ourselves, it's all about us. But when the Son prays, the hour has come, 
Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Jesus is saying, Father, do anything to me that you might be glorified. Father, take whatever you must from me that you might receive your glory. Father, do whatever you must to me that you might receive your glory. Father, pour out your wrath on me that you might receive your glory. Father, take out the wrath that you have for the world's sin onto me so that they might be redeemed and reconciled back to you that you might be glorified. What the Son is saying is that I'm willing to take the sin of the world onto myself that, that, that the Father might be glorified. When Jesus was asking to be glorified, he was asking to be a substitute for us. So when I say that we've been drawn in by glorious love, we've been drawn in by sacrificial love. Glorious, sacrificial love. So before we move on, I want to assure you, church, if you are in Christ, you are loved You are precious to God. And what I want us to to bear in mind here is that Jesus prayed this prayer before you sinned. (laughs) Before you did that worst sin, the one that plagues you every day, the one that brings you shame, the one that brings you guilt, before you did that, Jesus prayed this prayer and died the death that made this prayer possible. knowing that we would be sinners, knowing that we would fall short of the glory of God, knowing that it was our sin that would lead him to the cross, knowing that we would be dead in our trespasses, knowing that we would live lives of trying to knock him off of his throne and place ourselves on it, Jesus still prays that we would be with him where he is. And if he prayed that prayer before you sinned, I promise you he's never gonna change his mind. His desire was that you would be with him, regardless of what you've done. So you are loved if you are in Christ. And what I want you to know if you are here today and you do not yet know Jesus, if you're here today and you haven't surrendered to him and submitted to him, I'm just so glad you're here. Thank you for coming. It's so hard to walk into a room this big with so many people who believe things that are different to you. And I just, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so thankful that you're here. I hope you feel loved, and I hope you feel cared for. I'd love to meet you. But I want you to know that you're not just here because your friend invited you. I want you to know that you're not just here because you were driving past and saw the sign, or because you went to Starbucks and thought, hey, I'll go to church. You're here today because Jesus prayed this prayer for you. Because Jesus desires that those whom the Father has set aside for him might be with him where he is. Jesus is speaking to you today through his word. And man, I hope that you, that you are open to hearing more and more about what the gospel has for you. Please come and speak to someone if that's you. We'd love to tell you more about this gospel that we love so much. The reason why we sing and clap, well, five of us clap. Um, <laughs> we're just so glad that you're here. And I want you to know that you're loved. And you have access to see the glory of God by surrendering to Jesus. And this prayer ends in just the most peculiar of ways. And I in them. 
So Jesus prays that those who are far off from him might be near to him. He prays that the love that the Father has for him might be in them, and then he ends it by saying, and I in them. If we've put our hope in Christ, if we have accepted his blood to cleanse us and make us an an appropriate dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, it means that Jesus has now made his very home in our hearts. It means that Jesus now dwells in us. And I want to assure you that if Jesus dwells in you, you best believe he's going to live through you. That if Jesus is in you, he's going to be through you. It's my conviction after reading scripture that everything that God does to us, he wants to do through us. And so if Jesus, on the night that he was to be betrayed, on the night that he was to be crucified, on the night that he was going to go and die for our sins, if this prayer was on his lips, if this what was overflowing out of his heart, if this was the last thing that Jesus prayed on the night that he was to be betrayed and crucified, if he is living in us, I believe that this prayer should be the first thing that we pray every morning. That if the heart of Jesus was for those who are far from him to be near him, if he lives in you, then it means that your hope should be that those who are far from him would be with him. If Jesus lives in you and he is living through you, it means that the thing that makes you tick, the thing that gets you up in the morning is that those who are far from him would be brought near to him. If you were separated from him and now know him, you should desire that those who are separated from him would know him. That if Jesus loved us enough to go to the cross on our behalf, we should love others enough to be able to go to them as Jesus came to us. If Jesus is in us, he will live through us just as he left his throne behind to come and rescue and redeem those who are far from him. You should leave your home every morning to be a part of the plan to rescue and redeem those who who he wants near him. And so the question that I have for us this morning church, is that if those being far from him, being brought near to him, cost Christ everything, what is it costing you? If Jesus so desired that those who do not know him would come to know him, and he gave his life to see that happen, and he now lives in you and has given you his desire, what is it costing you? Are we living the same lives of sacrifice to see those far from him come to know him that he lived for us? We have been drawn in with glorious love. We have been drawn in with sacrificial love. But if he now lives in us, church, we have been sent out to love gloriously. We have been sent out to love sacrificially. And so as we enter into Advent season, as we enter into Christmas season, what a wonderful opportunity we have to show the world the love that Christ has for them. And you know how we do that? By sacrificing for them. Church, are you willing to have less trees under you, less presents under your trees so that those who don't have might have some? Church, are you willing to spend more money on food over Christmas and have a longer table so that those who have nowhere to go for Christmas have somewhere to go in your home? Are you willing to go to college campuses where international students who have no families and have nowhere to go for Christmas might meet people who will invite them in so that they might experience family this Christmas? We are at an unprecedented time in history where people from the nations are being brought to us. Are you going to them? 
Is your home open to them? What is it costing us if it costs Jesus everything? What I want to assure us of, church, and I know this because there are hundreds of people in this room who have been saved by Jesus, is that this prayer will be answered. (laughs) What history has shown us is that this prayer that Jesus prayed will be answered. That those who are far off from him will be brought near to him. That those who are in darkness will be brought into the light. That those who are dead in sin will be given new life. That those who are far off will be brought near. That those who are without a family will be given a family. That those who are lost in addiction will be brought into connection. We know that this prayer will come true for nothing can stand between Jesus and his desire. For nothing can stand between Jesus and his prayers being answered. The world, the people that God has set aside for his son will be brought near to him. That is a guarantee. And so church, are you going to be a vessel or are you going to be an obstruction? Are you going to get involved or are you going to stand on the sidelines? Are you going to watch this prayer get answered or are you going to be a part of this prayer being answered? For Jesus will get what he asked for. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to read this prayer over us again, the prayer that Jesus prayed to remind you that you have been drawn in with glorious love. You are precious to him. We were on his mind in this night where he prayed this last corporate prayer. You are loved. You're drawn in. And what we are then going to do is we're going to read a prayer together on this screen that's going to remind us that we've been sent out to love gloriously. As you pray this prayer with me, I want us to bear in mind, maybe someone in your family who doesn't yet know Jesus. Maybe a friend of yours who doesn't yet know Jesus. I want you to think of people in your neighborhood who might not yet know Jesus. I want you to think of the nations, places where the gospel hasn't been heard or proclaimed yet. I want you to think of all those who have been set aside for Jesus, who he has prayed would be near to him. And as we pray this prayer, I want to invite you to be willing to be the answer to the prayer that we're about to pray. To join in the work that Jesus is already doing. To be a part of bringing those who are far off near. Does that make sense? So would you stand with me? I'm going to read the prayer of Jesus over you. And then a prayer will come up on the screen and we'll read it together. This is Jesus' prayer for you, church. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Let's pray this prayer on the screen together. Father, we desire that those who will believe in you through your word would be here with us where we are with Christ to see his glory. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, we know you, and we believe that you sent your beloved Son for us. 
Use us to continue to make your name known that the love with which you have loved Christ would be in them and Christ may be in them. Amen.